This is a Podfire production. Hi, I'm Ryan and welcome to the New Nirvana podcast, where we dive into everything to do with mental health and well-being. Anything that can improve your life, we're here to talk about. All right, welcome to New Nirvana. This week's guest is Dasha Zadzva uh, from Russia. Um, I met Dasha, what, six months, 12 months ago now? Yeah, about 12 uh, months. 12 months ago, yeah. Dasha's got an amazing story. She works a lot with... People with disability at the moment. Um, is it skin rejuvenation? Yes. Is another one. Yep. And uh, just an all around uh, amazing human being. So, welcome to the podcast, Dasha. Thank you very much for having me, Ryan. That's no worries. <laughs> all right. So, yeah. Um, explain to me. Well, obviously, born born in Russia. Where in Russia were you born? I born in a very small town in the middle of Ural Mountains, which is um, somewhere in the middle, close to Siberia. Oh, okay. So it's been pretty cold there? Been very cold and summer is very hot, so temperature goes between um, minus 30, 35 to plus 30, 35 degrees. Wow, that's crazy. So you get the best of both worlds? Yes. (laughs) So what was it like growing up in, in small town in Russia? Um, it's been very cool because we all uh, have a lot of friends and we always played on the streets and we grew up without any um, gadgets and medias and we always been growing up as a kids on the on the streets how, how I believe should be. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So you didn't have all the video games like we do today? No, right? no, <laughs> not at all. We always created our games like yeah. um, catching, hiding and running around. Yeah. Building the cubby houses and stuff like that. Yeah, so do, would you say you had a very good childhood then? Ah, uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah? The best. <laughs> yeah, so what are some of the things that you'd get up to? I, I grew up um, in a family who uh, had a value for different things. They yep. um, took me to different places. I started a career as an artist at four years old. Artist at four. Yes, my parents took me to. Well, the I'm 38 and I still can't draw a stick, man. So <laughs> you did pretty well. All right? You do a lot better than me. Yeah, my parents. Um, when I was little, the first thing I can hold in my hand and start drawing, they decided to take me to the art school, and art school saw my skill at that time, and they um get uh, gave some space for only a few amount of kids from different uh, kindergarten, and I was one of them. Lucky. Yeah, cool. And also my parents took me to a swimming pool and dancing, so all kind of stuff, sport and art. and. Yeah, cool. Sounds like you had a pretty cool childhood then. I really didn't have time to be <laughs> bad kid. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, I've actually seen some of Dasha's art and uh, it's very, very incredible. Um, did you want to share, or we could probably share, what's your, have you got a page or a website or something, people, if they want to have a look? Yeah, I've got Instagram page where I um, publish a lot of uh, study and a lot of um, things for people who want to rejuvenate their, their body, and it's called dashi.ocean. Yeah. And I also have got an art page, which is dashiocean.art, and... Facebook page as well, dashi.ocean. You can find a lot of information there. Okay, cool. Awesome. So with your art, so for art, um, like what does what does art mean for you? So what does art 
or mean or do for you, if that makes sense? Oh, um, <coughs> I love to give others love and support and lifeline. So my art was always based on that um, understanding and feeling about the world. I don't want to have to bring uh, destruction energy into the world. So whenever I create art, it has to be about love and peace and help and, um, yeah, happiness. Yeah, okay. Uh, so did you, like, I know, I suppose, uh, kind of like music, you know, when people who are musicians, they go, when they play music, then they can just get lost in themselves. Do you find, like, for you, is, um, it, is it type of, like, a, a way to help with, like, your mental state at the time or, you know what I mean? Is that? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Art is a part of, um, I don't know, it's different reality. Whenever I create something, I could say it's not mine because it wakes me up sometimes at night and I'll say, let's do that, let's do that, get up, hurry up. And all I need to do is get up and start drawing and it's going naturally through me and after finishing the art piece, I realized that I haven't been doing it. Something else was creating it with my hands. Yeah, cool. So do you ever get any cool messages or something from the universe going, telling you something? Or is it just like a, a beautiful piece of art? Uh, it's not really a piece of art or I feel the energy flow through me. So it's very elevating spirits, I would say. A lot of light happening and it brings you to the stage where you kind of fly in stage. Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, you mentioned spot sport, uh, swimming, dancing. Yeah. Is there anything you can't do? Oh. <laughs> uh, that's a good question. <laughs> Swimming's definitely helped with your surfing. If yes. you don't know, Dasha's a good surfer. Surf's better than me. <laughs> Shows me up all the time. <laughs> but, yeah, that um, I grew up in Russia. We don't have any waves back home. But uh, since a little kid, um, I always had this love towards the ocean and towards the water my brother was a very good swimmer and i guess having the older brother he's five and a half years different between uh me he's older and he was very good at sports and especially in the swimming um he was one of the best in my city yeah and i always wanted to be like him yeah so okay <laughs> My parents decided to take me there because I was just amazing to do exactly the same thing what he was doing. Just follow him around, yeah. Eh? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As a lot of little sisters, little brothers do with their older um, siblings. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, also, I didn't want just to be like him. I wanted to be better than him. Yeah, of course. <laughs> you can't let them beat you. No fucking way. I'm the best. <laughs> yeah. So now I could say I swim better than him because I start surfing and spend a lot of hours and days and years on that sport. Yeah, cool. So that, uh, so that was like a lot of your childhood. Um, so what happened after school for you? Like, um, Yeah, I was doing a lot of like crazy activities, sport and art, and I didn't have much time to do anything else. I decided to um, go to the uni and I studied to become an architect. And in the fifth year of my study, I decided to go to America. And for that... Architect, uh, for the, I know Dasha, an architect seems very boring for you. <laughs> so yeah. I don't know how you did that many years of uni doing architect. But Six. Yeah, okay. okay so... Um, 
yeah, I have decided to study for uni. It was two long years of preparation and six years of study. And on the fifth year, my friend and I from uni decided to go together to America. And year before, a lot of Russian girls didn't return home because they wanted to have different life and, um, I guess, different purposes. And um, we had to prepare two years. We studied in one year for two years ahead. So fifth and the sixth year, we studied in year five. So you did two years of study in one year? Yes. And it How was, tough was that? It was very hard. We haven't slept. Some days would be three days in a row you could not sleep because you had no time and then maybe three hours after that and wake up, do the same thing again. We had to pass the exam. And, uh, plus I have studied uh, with the university. Um, that government was paying me because I was quite smart. Um, they pay people who have um, high rating. Like a scholarship. Uh, yeah, high rate at school. And, um, yeah, so I cannot um, fall into a different mood. So I had to stay on the top of everything. Okay, so ha- ha- talk, walk me through that. How do, you, how do you get the energy or how do you get the motivation and, and the will to keep going? Like what, um, what tools or what did you use to do yourself through that? Um, I would just support each other, I guess. We had this massive desire to see the world, to travel, and um, we've never been overseas, not her, not I, and we just wanted to see something different. And um, so, yeah, we we done it very well. All we needed to do is come back on the year six and uh, graduate to get diploma done. And um, on the year five, after finishing all these two years of study, went in a big bus where it's about 42 people and was about um, uh, maybe five boys or even three boys who went with us. The rest were girls and none of the Lucky girls... Lucky three dudes on the bus, eh? Yeah. <laughs> they, they got visa, by the way, and all the rest <laughs> has declined. So all the girls, um, like Russian girls, you might imagine... Uh, blonde, blue eyes mostly, and they all kind of look the same beautiful. We got uh, told that we can't wear any mascara or any makeup or any high heels. We have to dress like a rat. <laughs> Why? <laughs> uh, because um, Americans don't want Russians in there. They don't want American men fall in love with Russian beauty girl. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> it was already politically... <laughs> trying to cut us off from travels and yeah so how long ago was that sorry uh, i was 2011 yeah okay so what's that 12 13 12 years ago yeah, yeah. 10 years uh, yeah 11. yeah okay 11 years ago yeah well so what none of you's got vi- none of the girls none of the girls got visa and <laughs> after that i got very depressed you can imagine yeah, after studying your ass up for two years, no sleep, you're like, finally, I want to get out of here, and they just deny yes. it. And um, two weeks, I was just laying at home and crying the whole time until my mom called me and said, hey, Dash, why, why are you so depressed and so tired? Maybe you can go somewhere else. Uh, talk to your cousin who used to live in Bali before. She said, talk to, talk to your cousin, call her up and see, maybe you can go to Bali. And I had no idea what Bali is, called my cousin. She said, yeah, go to Bali. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to learn how to surf. You're going to meet a lot of cool people. 
and yada yada. So you would have never seen the ocean by this stage. Never seen the ocean. Never seen the waves. Um, had no idea what surf industry is. No idea. No clue. And I called that friend I studied with. Um, the same day I spoke to my sister and said, "Hey, we're going to Bali. Are you keen?" She's like, "Yeah, I'm keen. Let's go." So in a week time, probably a week time, we got tickets, and we only had saved up two thousand dollars between her and I for six months. Is that uh, like US dollars? US dollars, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <coughs> between her and I, and we went to Bali without laptop, without any extra money, uh, no English. At that time, we haven't spoke. Not her, not I. Haven't spoken any English. Sounds like a good plan. I think yeah. you, you sort of <laughs> organized. <laughs> we didn't know. We thought we're gonna we're gonna learn English and we're gonna make some money because we're going somewhere and we're smart and everything gonna be fine. And I remember that day when we uh, flew to Bali, and we had no English at all. We could not speak. So did, did you just get like a a, a travel visa or a working visa or a travel um, visa or what? To Bali, you don't need to have any visa. You can just uh, get the visa on arrival. Then you can pay a bit of extra to stay for two months and then you have to fly out every fly two months and yeah. fly back. Yeah. So we didn't even know that. We didn't get prepared money-wise either for flying out and flying in. We Every did, 60 days. We didn't know how much the rent is cost, how much is scooter cost, how much is food and everything. So we got there. We've got this ticket return in six months. And we got to the taxi. Thank God my uh, cousin was on the phone with me. So I tried to install the SIM card from Bali, SIM card in my phone and somehow managed to call her and she talked to the t- taxi driver to take us somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> somewhere where we can stay safe and it will be very cheap as well. Yeah. And um, taxi driver took us, uh, if you know Bali, if anyone of you been in Bali, there is a place called Angreg in Kuda. It's a bonded hotel, motel, and maybe um, third of it completely destroyed. They say there is a ghost town in there. Yeah. There's a lot of interesting things get happening in there. And so this taxi driver driving us in Kura at night and there is no one on the street and rubbish everywhere and smell this smell. I will never forget like a dirty socks. And we're looking at each other with my friend. And um, before we left Russia, my brother used to call me Balinese princess. He's like, oh, yeah, go to your Bali, Balinese princess. So we're sitting in the car and I'm looking at my friend saying, oh, wow. Yeah, true Balinese princess. <laughs> <laughs> when are we going to take a ticket back yeah, home? Yeah, yeah. In the ghetto, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what time, what... So did you, what what made you want to get out of Russia to start with? Just travel or just Yeah, I just wanted to see something different. I always had an ambition to um like yeah, bring <laughs> the lifelight to the world and show the world what Russia is, maybe be a representation of Russia as my personality and I always wanted to have something bigger. I always had desires to achieve things. Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, so um, I know your your story in in Bali, but uh, for the listeners at home, <laughs> t- tell us a little bit about your Bali experience. So yeah, Bali experience. Um, 
back then in 2011 with my friend, um, we found um, Russian community and in that community found um, Russian men who helped us to find accommodation. And um, we calculated all the money we had we can spend on food and uh, flights back and forth and um, accommodation and motorbike, I mean, scooter. And um, all is left was $2 between two of us for the whole day, which could take us for one salad, fruit salad a day, and a full tank of petrol, which cost just um, 10,000 rupee. Um, back then it was one dollar mm. and well wow, so you're living off a dollar a day pretty much yes for between six two between two of us five cents <laughs> 50 cents a day. yeah wow <laughs> well you definitely didn't have a problem with getting overweight then that's for sure yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, go, I got a problem of losing weight <laughs> <laughs> yeah so yeah and then uh her and i we were like Traveling a lot. It was the best time ever. They say poorest people have the best time. And it was absolutely true. We traveled so much around Bali. If we were not that poor, we would not be able to visit so many places, to go so many different beaches and uh, watch the ocean. And um, But I haven't tried surf. And I have seen all these people who surf. And I was so... Um, so wanted to try, but we had no money at all. And I used to go and catch massive waves um, just with my body. Body surfing, yeah. Body yep. surfing. <laughs> and my friends was taking pictures and she would say, Dash, please don't show these pictures to your mom. She will kill you <laughs> and kill me too <laughs> for letting you do that. <laughs> yeah. So, so, yeah. And, um, so were you living in, in Kuta at the time? Is that what uh, Yeah, we whole time stayed in Kuta. And then two weeks before we left home, return home i've got we were going to um internet cafe to talk to our parents and smile at the camera and say everything is perfect we're very happy here and we're getting skinny and skinny and skinny <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then we um end up um i found um on my facebook page um there was promotion going on in um surf school and they were paying by surf lessons, two surf lessons, if you become a model for bikini show. And I messaged them, was Russian girl promoting it. I said, can I please be bikini model? I really want to surf lessons. Yeah. And she said, like, yeah, let's catch up and see what, what we can do. So we caught up with her and she said, oh, yeah, I'm happy with you to become a model. So day when was a swimming pool party, we had to promote the bikini, had to walk around the swimming pool. And um, I walked first uh, or second person and the people who were a part of the party, they didn't understand there is a kind of show going on. And the owner of the school, Frank, he um, was asking all the girls if anyone can dance. And I have spent all my life dancing. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, yeah I can dance. <laughs> <laughs> so he said, oh, yeah, can you dance? I'm like, yeah, I will dance for you. And I went around the pool and everybody stopped because I started dancing crazy and, like, everybody gave a space for the girls and all the girls followed me around. And What type of dancing were you doing? Um, well, I, I trained to dance uh, Russian traditional dance and also modern dance and also ballroom dance. So it's kind of mixture of everything, really. Um, 
And the I end, couldn't I couldn't imagine people would be wanting to watch you in a bikini doing ballroom dancing, right? Yeah, you won't do it's, a ballroom. It's no? not ballroom. <laughs> it's more of modern dances. I don't know, like um, probably like a typical show dance show you yep. can see. And then I returned back, and Frank asked everyone to dance like me, and I just start laughing. I'm like, yeah, good luck. <laughs> 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 then um, this girl who was a model as well, she was helping me with the translation. Uh, next day I came back to pick up my bikini and surf lesson, which was given to us um, by Russian girl. And it was a very short lesson, by the way. It was maybe 30 minutes if so in the water. And wasn't enough, and I was I wanted to have more. Yeah. So I returned from surf lesson, picked up my bikini, and I see this Russian girl who was with me as a model. She grabbing the surfboard and walking with the surfboard without pay for it. And I said, "Hey, stop, Julia. Where did you get this board? How much you pay? And how can I get that?" And she said, "Oh yeah, I'm friend with Frank, which is the owner of the surf school." And she said he gave it to her for free. She can come here anytime she wants and grab the surfboard and for surf and I said um what how how can I become the friend <laughs> friends with Frank <laughs> yeah and she said go and talk to him and say that you really want to surf he sure will help you and I said I, I don't speak English can you translate she said yeah of course so I went to Frank and I said can you please give me any board um with no fins broken board door anything I will surf anything just give me something because I didn't have any money. I didn't even have money for food. And um, to rent the board, it, that time was um, 20,000 rupiah, which is $2. And if I did that, my friend and I would not eat the whole day. Yeah. So I, I didn't want to rob my friend. <laughs> I could have robbed myself, but I didn't want to rob my friend. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, and Frank said, yeah, of course. Take a board, come anytime. And I started coming uh, before even sun's up and in Bali is very early yeah so I would be by the door at five before five getting the board sneaking out and some days he started getting up with me as well so he's like I'll take you and he started teaching me um little basic and then he took me on the real ways and so this is in Kuda yeah in Kuda yeah yeah and the first what I've learned <coughs> I was saying um in English first lessons first words I've learned where I'm tired because I was very tired, um, and then next. So in six months, you didn't learn any English while you're there. No, no, not at all. Almost not at all. So how do you live in? Well, I suppose that I even speak in the state of themselves. Yeah, yeah. Russia, no. Oh, in Bali. But yeah, with all the ah, yeah, speak. they don't speak English. No, yeah, yeah. they. Um, I mean, can you speak Bal uh, Balinese? No, not as well. Like maybe a little bit, I would understand, but not much. Yeah. And plus my friend and I were Russians, so we just speak with each other and trying to have universal language in the hands when we needed something. Yeah. And yeah, so my first words were, I'm tired, and another one, keep quiet or shut up and paddle. <laughs> <laughs> because I keep on saying, I'm tired. Oh, I'm tired. Shut up, paddle. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, and then um, how I got back to Bali... Um, it's another um, interesting one. So from there, you so from there you, you flew back to Russia. Yes, yeah, so before that, <coughs> maybe two days before, um, the same girl who helped me with the translation to um, English with Frank, I saw her 
on um, on the shore. She was trying to catch any waves, and she was spending weeks and weeks on the whitewash, and she could not stand up. Yeah. Um, surfing, she could not get up at all. And I saw her. I said, "Oh, you struggle. Do you want me to help you?" And I had nothing. Like I didn't know how to teach. I I am very beginner myself. And she said, "Oh yeah, maybe." And I said, "Maybe I can explain to you better because I've been." spending a lot of time in sport i kind of know how the muscle works and what to do to make them work yeah and um in few minutes she stood up for the first time and frank saw me teaching her on the beach and he said wow you can teach all of us tried to teach this girl and she could not stand up yeah well <laughs> and he said do you want work i said yeah <laughs> so i ended up going back home finishing my degree, getting my diploma, and coming back to Bali where I had a job as a surf instructor already. Yeah, how cool. So can you you can, can you use that degree in Australia now or not? Um, no, it's not recognised in here, unfortunately. So six years for... For nothing. For nothing. Well, <laughs> I can't say it's for nothing. I've learned a lot of things. And yeah. I still use that skill with the programs. Um, yeah. So it's cool to have. Yeah, cool. So that's how you become a surf instructor, eh? Yeah. From never seeing the surf or knowing what surfing was to what, how old were you? Uh, when I started, 24. 24 to then becoming a surf instructor. Yes. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. And then what happened after that? Um, well, I was living in Bali <coughs> for five and a half years, been living a dream, traveling around Bali, catching the best waves, learn how to surf water, which is one of the... Probably extreme. Yeah, I love it. Um, like uh, like a uh, single fin, out in front of single fin. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I have discovered a few new places as well. Um, and yeah, I've been traveling to Sumbawa and Sumba and all around. Yeah. And so you're obviously making, you could actually eat more than one meal a day now? Yeah. Stage. I, um, at that time, I also become a manager of big surf camp and surf schools. Um, so I was managing and teaching people. I had a lot of people who just wanted to be trained with me. As um, uh, uh, While you teach surf, is a lot of work with the fear. And we often come across with people who never been in the ocean or never surfed before, and they have a lot of fear. Yeah. They, and I've got amazing tools to work with that too. So... Um, I guess I always get a very hard people to work with because I knew the tools, what to use with them. Okay, so where did you learn? How did you learn these tools? Where did you get learn these tools from? And can you could you explain to me like what tools you use for for what conditions and how that can help other people? Yeah, absolutely. That's actually an amazing question. Thank you for that. And that's a tool I use in my daily basis. Whenever I get scared or whenever I get um, distracted or something is not right with my mental health, um, this pre-story of this story, how I've learned this. In 2013, I wasn't a great surfer back then and I went with my friends to Surf Impossible and it was a day when was a competition going on in Padang Padang. Yep. Waves were massive, giant, and the water was getting shallower and shallower maybe knee deep and the massive waves over two, three meters overhead. And um, I was so scared and I could not get out. I was so scared sitting in the water. I hear this siren going every time. Um, 
not far from impossible. There is a prank, prank, where is competition. They're like screaming and oh, massive barrel is coming, and you're <laughs> like, oh wow, massive barrel is coming. I need to paddle to save my life, and um, and then I decided I I ha- I can't stay anymore. I need to go back and try to catch any wave uh, on the way in. So I caught one wave, and um, I am a backhander. Uh, it's my left hand side wave, and it's a backhand for me. So I hit my back and I flew from the top onto my head on the reef, <laughs> opened up my face, opened up my head. I don't know how I didn't kill myself at that time, yeah. um, falling off from such a high peak of the wave. And I tried to protect my face as much as I can. But um, nothing else happened, just a little scratches on my face and a little scratches, um, bigger scratches on my head. And since then I decided I'm never going to serve that place again. It's done. My relationship with that place is done. <laughs> <It's over. laughs> Evil. <laughs> impossible. It seems too impossible. <laughs> That's what it's called, impossible. Yes. And then um, a year later, so I would be surfing Uluwatu, no problem. Big waves, no problem. G-Land, shallow, no problem. Uh, impossible, no. And yeah. I have met a friend um, who is uh, from South Africa and he's a professional surfer. And he said to me, well, um, why don't you go surf impossibles? I said, well, impossibles seem too impossible for me, you know. Um, is, um, I had this and this happen to me. And he said, um, he said, well, what if I say to you that impossible is the best place to learn how to catch a barrel? Do you want to catch a barrel? And I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> he said, well, what if you try to change your mindset from being scared of impossible to this feeling, oh, wow, I'm going to catch a barrel. So every time when you have a thought, oh, my God, I'm scared, you have to replace it with a thought, oh, my God, I'm going to catch a barrel. So I was practicing this. He said, let, let me take you there, and I will show you where to sit, but promise me every time you've got this little fear coming into your head and saying, oh, my God, I'm so scared of this place, you're going to replace it with the excitement mood and say, oh, my God, I'm going to catch the barrel. And <coughs> I started doing that. It was terrifying. I was so scared. But every time I was scared, I was saying, yeah, I'm, I'm going to catch, catch a barrel. barrel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, and that's really cool. Like, I really like that. Um, I just spoke about this rec- uh, with another guy uh, on a podcast recently, and um, he was saying that, that negative voice, you know, that that fear, like uh, he ended up naming it a person. It was like Dave, like Dave, was, you <laughs> wow. know, and like shut up, Dave, you don't know what you're talking about. And then the other voice is, which, you know, the, yeah. like you call it the devil and the, the angel, right? Yeah. So when these voices that come up, like fear or or even like guilt or grief or whatever it is, yeah. you know, like they don't have to be like, they don't have to be true or correct. You don't even have to listen to them. Like, you know, I mean, they can just yeah. be, a voice that pops up and you can just be like, whatever, Dave, like, and disassociate because that's not actually your, you know, that's not your voice, right? It's just, yeah. it's just like a, like an alter ego kind of thing. And then, yeah. like you said, like chain, replace that with, you know, whatever voice that you want to hear in your case, it was catch that fucking battle, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was awesome too. And um, since then I trained my brain in a time when I'm very fearful I would find enjoyment in that time, and and my um, mental or my my 
inner child would be excited every time I find something fearful. Um, yeah, cool. It's something to extreme. I would be taking it to extreme level, like where I'm very excited about very heavy things. <laughs> <laughs> very heavy waves, eh? Very heavy waves, so very heavy people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's cool. That's a, that's a really good uh, gold nugget. Um, yeah. Yeah. Is there anything else? Yeah, like when we were talking about teaching people surf and a lot of people scared of water or scared of depth. And I always tell them, would you like to see fishies? Would you like to go just and look through the clear water, see the reef, see the fishies? They're like, yeah, well, we're not going to go surf. We're just going to go and look at the fishies. Every time when you think about, oh, my God, we're going to drown. Oh, my God, something else. We're going to think about fishies. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, cool. Yeah. It's all about perception, right? Yes, yeah, it's yes. all about flipping that perception, flipping what, you know, what does that mean to you? Just change the meaning, change your life, right? I think Tony Robbins says that. Um, yeah, change the meaning of, or anything, change the meaning of what happened to you too, you know, can change uh, change your perspective. So, yeah, it's cool. Absolutely. Yep. So, barrels and fishies, guys, if you do that at home, you fucking <laughs> say it. <laughs> but you can do that with everything. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If you have a goal and you want to, achieve something but you're scared of if this not working or if this not working just set up the goal and keep on thinking about it just bring it back bring it back bring it back and you will be surprised how much your brain can be trained it's like a, an animal yeah like a dog if you say it many times dog will be happy to do so let's hope it's we're smarter than dogs yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah no um Yes, yeah, so I've done a little bit uh, looking into neuroscience and stuff, and like it's called neuroplasticity. So basically, um, our brain um, wiring is very malleable. We can train our brain to think and feel how we want it to think and feel. So uh, you're definitely right there. And I think um, the more we learn about the brain, the more we are amazed on how much we can actually program our brain to do whatever we want it to do. So um, you know, we can essentially be our own master, master your brain. Otherwise, if not, our brain ends up mastering us, right? You know absolutely. what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think that's, um, that's yeah, really, really important. Um, so they did say that, well, back in the 70s or I think it was 80s, whatever, they used to say, like, once you turn 25, that's it, you can't change your brain. But now, you know, they're, they're showing that up to, you know, 80, 90, you know, I mean, your brain can still learn new things. No, it doesn't take any more um, effort when you're, 80 what you are when you're eight so and if you think what is life 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 is all about evolution and learning and if we stop evoluting um evolving yeah we're not living yeah so definitely yeah training the brain is one of the part of it to keep on growing and if we don't grow we don't live yeah what's um i think uh d martini what's he say if you're not um growing you're decaying he reckons <laughs> and i was like yeah that's pretty cool yeah, so any any other tips that you have for surfers or any other things that you used to use? Um, no, that's really much it. And I get it to my daily practice and everyone who suffer from whatever issues they have. You need to try to find a positive in everything and focus on that thing because everything will pass. And if you keep on focusing on the great um, part of it, you will get through very easy and you will get over your fear, get over your stress or depression or whatever you experience. So I have to ask, did you catch a barrel at Impossibles after all that? (laughs) (laughs) 
if you, you have to say yes, all right, all right. This, is, this, is, this interview is over if you say no to this. <laughs> yes, but impossible is not actually perfect barrel. It's a place to learn how to catch a barrel. Ah, okay, yeah. And um, talking about which, after time, I start impossible become my favourite place to go. It was my favourite. Every time massive waves come, you will see me at Impossibles, me and another, maybe two or three guys, and they get washed, and I'll find the keyhole where to paddle out, where to sit, and the key is to sit um, and catch the biggest wave and to catch it in a certain spot. So everybody started calling me the queen of Impossibles because I was catching everything. Yeah. <laughs> cool. How good that go from never wanting to surf it to queen of Impossibles? Yes. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah. I digress. Uh, I went bat surfing this morning at Burley, yeah. and yeah, some people casting some big barrels this morning. Awesome. Yeah, um, it was a big sweep though, so it was a lot of paddling. It was too much paddling for me. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Anyway, I didn't catch a barrel. I'm still yet to catch a barrel. That's my goal. And, will uh, be. It's my life goal. Focus, catch a barrel. Focus on it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I will. I will. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. Cool. So yeah. Um, yeah, moving forward. So, how long did you spend in Bali after after that? Um, five and a half years. I've been living in Bali, and um, so for five and a half years, every sixty days, you had to fly out, fly in, fly out, fly. I in. know. At that time, I already <coughs> had my working visa, yep. so I, I could stay a whole year in Bali. Didn't have to fly out. Yeah. And yeah, I've been getting paid very well, enough money to send home, even. So it was great. And then um, 2016, I have met my Australian boyfriend at that time. And in Bali? In Bali, yes. Yeah. He, we, we met at surf. And, um, yeah, we were friends for quite some time and then we become as a partner and we decided to build a relationship and we moved in together and he was working fly in, fly out. So every time he's in Bali, he's kind of on holidays. Yeah. And we were doing it for about two years, um, spent two years together living. And then um, he have offered me to come to Australia under his behalf. So he would be fully looking after me, fully taking responsibilities and because um, you like, like, could you not get, get a visa in Australia at the time? Not or? straight away. I I uh, had to stay on a tourist visa at that time. Yeah. For the whole year, and uh, that not allowed you to work or do anything. So you just have to, um, I guess, be um, dependent on someone. Yeah. Fully and. Yeah, so we got denial the first application. Um, I don't know why the evidence were there. Everything was perfect. And our agent said, um, doesn't understand why you didn't get the visa. Sounds like this American thing all over again. Yes, <laughs> yes. And I was very upset. But then um, on the second time, we got it finally. And um, I got to Australia in 2017, I believe, or uh, end of 2017. And, um, yeah, so... We got to Australia, moved to Darwin from everyday surfing, moved to somewhere where there's no surf. You can't even swim. Water is dirty and brown. 
I'd be more worried about the crocodiles than the dirty brown water uh, in Darwin. <laughs> well, well, you can't even swim in the water in Darwin. Yeah. You just have a little places where you can go for a quick dip and, and it will be very, very hot. Mm. Spend there maybe six months and a bit. And then we moved to his parents' house and um, he moved me there. And there everything gone to hell once we... I actually, once I got to Australia, everything started getting very bad with him. Once a person got fully, um, um, f- I was fully dependent on him. He got fully power. He started abusing me and um, like every different way financially and as well. We moved to his parents' house and uh, in 2018, um, in the end of the year, we broke up and he literally kicked me out on the street with three suitcases and nowhere to go. And yep. that was a very hard time for me. And uh, now I work it through, but it was long two or three years till I recovered after that event. And yeah, I had no money. I had no friends. I had no family. Um, no food. Nowhere to go. I had no rights. I didn't understand any of the system i had no car no um skills to drive and yeah fully bullied by <laughs> australian man and yeah um, okay so what uh what 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 were some of the things like uh, when you say you were abused in every way like what some of the things um, there is a uh, nine different types of abuse and i experienced all of them can you name all nine um not that right now, but it was uh, financial abuse, uh, verbal abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse. Um, yeah. Uh, what is emotional abuse? And your emotional abuse. Yeah. Spiritual abuse is as that well. One? Yes, that's yeah. another one as well. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, I end up traveling around with my three suitcases, and I was at the stage of my mental health was down the hill. I I um I wanted to take my life and I did try to commit the suicide and um it didn't work and I did that at his home at his parents' home and uh, no one helped me at that time he just kicked me at the same day when I was overdose and he said oh you are so stupid to do that and didn't even take me to the ambulance or any doctors to see me and when I said I'm very depressed I don't feel myself he said you're not depressed. If you were depressed, you would have already jumped off the cliff or killed yourself before. What are you talking about? Yeah, well. So, um, but thank to him, I got through that. And again, I didn't. So understand. what? To, sorry, yeah. um, but what? So what are the, what are the things that you that you did, or what are the things that you helped you like overcome, like something that's so um, traumatic? Well, the things, what he was, for example, he was saying, um, he was a bit younger than I, he was about three years younger, and he was saying to me such a things like bullying, really much. Um, he would say, oh, you are so old, look at yourself, you get wrinkles, and um, you're looking so much older, you've got an amazing boyfriend next to you, he's looking so impressively beautiful, and you are kind of no one, and you achieved nothing in life and and it's stuck in my head. Um, is a psychopath disorder what he had, uh, I believe. After all this time, I studied and talked 
with the psychologists and psychiatrists in the clinics, and they all, as one, described it as a psychopathic di- disorder, what my ex-boyfriend had. Yeah. But um, when you... Um, as narcissism, right? Yeah. <laughs> when you um, experience that with people like him, um, often um, people like I am get trapped in the thoughts which are not ours. Mm. And so like we were saying before with the whole yes, fear thing, yeah? yeah. Yep. So when, when we broke up, uh, I still had these thoughts in my head. Even he wasn't there to tell me. Every time I look at myself in the mirror, I would say, oh, my God, you look so old. Oh, my God, look at your skin. Oh, my God, you've got uh, massive blue bags underneath your eyes. Oh, my God, he's right. You're no one. You're worth nothing. Mm. And, yeah, true. Like, you can't drive a car. No, you can't do this. You can't do that. You, he must be right. And yeah, after just so many saying it so many times to you, yes. it then become your voice. And uh, I feel like <coughs> a lot of times when we get older, like when we have these negative thoughts and that in our head, it's not actually, like I said, it's not our thoughts. It's usually like our parents' thoughts or yeah. like, you mean, like a, or our ex-partner's thoughts yeah. or it's, you know what I mean? It's it's never usually our thoughts. So, um, yeah, don't ever take what you think to be the truth, you know, analyse it and go, was well, this actually really true? You know what I mean? Um, but sometimes you get blind by those thoughts. Not sometimes. They completely take over you and it's hard to separate what is really you and what is not you. Mm. So how did you manage to get yourself out of that? Like <laughs> what, what did you do? To so uh, it was a long journey, maybe in two years of journey recovering. And I um, end up in the mental health reward <laughs> where I worked with many, many people, psychologists, psychiatrists, and they tried to put me on medication and uh, nothing seemed to be working with me because I've been, as a surfer, you know, like you try to avoid any kind of unhealthy stuff. And um, I've been vegetarian for many years and I've been very healthy for many years, I had a massive effect on my body. All medications I've been taking. Um, and um, actually, doctor in a hospital, he was from India. He was a psychiatric working in the hospital. And he said, well, it seems to um, all this medicine are not working with you. Uh, let's try something else. And he was the one who ran me through um, a beautiful meditation. Very easy. And I was so skeptical about this thing. And I said, I, I don't want your meditation. Leave me alone. And I used to be <laughs> locked in the room and we had to do a meditation, even five seconds or even 10 seconds for me to try to sit in. And yeah. um, and I was saying, oh, like, it's not working. It's not working. And So, um, so can you just, like, explain what the meditation was? Yeah. So meditation was um, um, you have to focus on your breathing. Yep. And every time you inhale, you have to say in, in your head. And every time you exhale, you have to have to say out. And you can imagine colors. So on the way in, you have to imagine like a silver moon color coming through the top of your head. Yep. And then you exhale it through your feet. And then on the way in, um, again, you inhale energy coming from your feet. And it's a color red, like a fire color 
coming through your whole body and shooting out on exhale through your top of the head. That's really much it. And he said every time you have any thought coming through, you have to put it in a bubble and take it away from your head and come back to the boat. Imagine that these thoughts are sharks around the big boat. And all you want is to be staying on the boat and be safe. And just acknowledge these thoughts, drop them out of your head, and keep on breathing. Cool. So that was amazing, massive impact on my life. And since then, I, did, I started to meditate every day because that was my homework. And that was the only way to survive that time. And so how long, how long were you doing this for? Um, I do it every day now. No, but at that time. At like that time, a good month, at least a month. Oh, uh, no, like uh, 10 minutes, half oh, hour? Yeah, 10 minutes, 10 minutes, even um, like they try to keep me uh, as much as even for five seconds I can feel that and then I can go. So, yeah, so so it's where N is red coming up through your feet. Uh, start with the moonlight, in from the head. In from the head. Exhale from the feet. Exhale from the feet. That color of the moon color. Then in from your feet with the red color. So you do that how many times? Uh, as much as you like. And then you swap and go from the Yeah, and then you swap. So it's kind of like rotation and connection to the earth energy and connection to the universal energy. Yeah, okay, cool. Um, it's like a pipe. You're creating pipe. Yeah, yeah. So I, I see a, a Hawaiian healer. Yeah. And she does very similar. So she uses like white light. Uh, yeah, so you picture white light energy coming in from uh, the universe, the soul, whatever. Oh, sorry. Uh, white light coming in from the universe, the soul, and then coming in. And then, um, yeah, then sort of like going out. And then same thing. But she says gold. So gold uh, gold coming from the, from the earth, yeah. coming into your heart and coming out. And then they both come in together yeah. and join. Yeah. yeah. So cool. So it's very sounds very similar. Yeah. Um and definitely have the same same effect. effect. Yeah. Absolutely. Cool. So, so yeah. now to so say do you still do practice that now? Yes, I do. Not every day, but I, I try to, yeah. Yeah. Especially and you do that um so what half hour, ten minutes, fifteen um, minutes or just whatever. So, um there is another thing. <coughs> I kind of combine tradition of Hindu, Indian religion and tradition of Tibet and tradition of Russia. So I combine those and one of the meditation I do and one of the most powerful is with inhaling and exhalation, like the one we just talked. And another one, at the same time, I place myself in a special order um, in a candle, a Russian candle from the church. And they are amazing tool to clean the energy field and it seems to be working amazing. I just have um, results all the time. Yeah, okay. So it's, how does that one how does that one work? So they have to be I have to draw it for you, but um you put uh five candles and imagine uh, I can actually explain. Imagine you sit in the middle of um square uh space and the fifth candle will be standing in front of you, in front of your head. So you sit in Kind of in a circle, a square space, four corners yeah. with a candle and fifth in front. And just do your... I just do my meditation while I'm there. Sometimes you can just even lay down if you make it enough space for laying down and yeah. just stay in there and try to feel what is happening. Okay, cool. So, um, and 
because I, I quite I didn't quite get what you said before um, about the the bubbles, the thoughts bubbles. And oh, the, yeah. So explain that one for me again, if you could, please. So if you have any thoughts and they might come into your head uh, randomly, you might be struggling to uh, put your intention into healing or into in- inhalation and exhalation. That's normal. Mm. So whenever, for example, you're breathing and one thought came into your head, the main thing is acknowledge this thought. Mm. And then you place this thought, imagine this thought, you take out of your head and place in a bubble. In bubble, yeah. Yeah, um, soap bubble. And then you take it out of your head and you can see how it's floating away and then you drop it on the floor, wind drops it and you can see it's breaking and then you come back to breathing again. Yeah, cool. There might be another thoughts come up and might be hundreds of them at the first time and that's okay. Mm. Yeah, I think the big, like as I've, um, done meditation for a while now, and uh, I did Vipassana meditation. I don't know if you've heard. It's yeah, that ten day, ten days. ten days of meditation, eleven half hours a day, silent meditation. You can't speak, you can't take no phone, no TV, no writing, no books, no nothing. And um, it's just you and your own thoughts. You know, it's very. There's no distractions. There's no running away. And yeah, it was really, really, really tough. But. Uh, I th- but by like I said at the start, like so many thoughts come up, and then, you know you just, just don't stop. But then by the end, you could kind of, you know, once they popped up, you could see them straight away, and you had that awareness of that thought, and just your awareness grew of just how many thoughts you have and how um, unrelating they are to, or how untrue they are. You know what I mean? So it was, um, yeah, it was very very powerful. And I think meditation. I think a lot of people get meditation wrong. I think. People think meditation is you just sit there like, like a Buddhist monk, and you you don't think any thoughts. Like that's not how this works, is it? You know, <laughs> there's like the brain is meant to think that's its job. It's meant to, you know, what I mean. But it's more so just acknowledging the thought that you're having, and then not getting attached to that thought. That's what yeah. meditation is. It's not having no thoughts at all. And people are like, oh, but it's so hard. Like I've got all these thoughts. I'm like, yeah, that's normal. That's that's so normal. And like anything, like people think they're just going to master this like the first day. Like you don't go out there and catch barrels the first day, do no. you? <laughs> so you're not going to master this meditation on the first day. So first month, or it's going to be tough. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you're going to have these thoughts, and you're going to be like, "Oh, I'm not getting it." And you know, it's just having that persistence, and um, and, you know, I mean, and and oh, well, this is a true testament on how powerful meditation is, right? Like from where you were in your life and your thinking to yeah, um. So, yeah, other than meditation, um, is there anything else that you used or that helped yes. a lot? So um, I had to have a homework, and my homework was sport. So any kind of sport, any kind of activities. I had to go for a walk. I had to force myself to go for, work, for a walk. Or you can find anything you love or you loved before and then happened to you and force yourself. Don't have to do it but be near it for example you love basketball and you can't play basketball because you feel exhausted just go and watch basketball mm. don't have to play and that's what my homework was i had to write down how many hours how many minutes what has happened with my feelings when i went to the ocean and looked at it and i had to record everything and come back to my doctor and actually that's say that's my homework that's what i have been doing and we had to go from there and he would give me more homework 
more hours to go and spend in the ocean then he had i had to write my emotions what kind of emotions were running through me when i caught the wave or when i didn't catch the wave and and all that so you were able to surf at this time or no 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 i <coughs> was only able to go on the beach not only not only myself i could not go myself i had to have a support uh who took me to the beach for just a walk so they wouldn't even let you surf i could not i physically could not i was absolutely shattered yeah well uh, they were encouraging me to go and surf but i could not I said I hate not it. Not even for barrels. No, you could not even for no, the barrels. I could not find <laughs> motivation. I said I hate it. I don't want to surf. And because my ex used to tell me how shit I am at everything, I, I that co- constantly was in my head like, oh, I'm shit at everything. He even used to say every time when I get very excited seeing amazing waves, I would be like, like a dog, like a puppy would be running around saying, hey, everybody, let's go, let's go, let's go, like a kid. And he would scream at me like saying, you're like a kid, you don't even act like an adult. Please stop it, stop it, shut up. And that was his voice in my head for years after. I stopped to be active, stop be myself, stop yeah, yeah. being happy, stop smiling, stop laughing. This is annoying everybody. Yeah, well, that's crazy. So yeah, and and then I mean, like to go from like that was like one of your happiest things to do to then not be able to do it. Yeah. Must, you know, um, were you able to use your art? Were you able to use to do art or no? No, not at all. At that stage, I was completely vegetable. I was in the mental mental health hospital, and I attempted to suicidal few more times and um, got picked up by ambulance and just got locked in there. <laughs> End up spending, I don't know, maybe two weeks in there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. Eh? How you, and so um, looking back on it now, like was there, obviously there were like red flags, right, that come yeah. up and so did he like stop you from leaving or, or was it just that you were that beaten down that you didn't feel like you could leave? or? Yeah, I didn't feel it at all because I was completely cut from everyone else i was cut from the world i was living in the smallest town i didn't have a car i didn't know how to drive a car he got me a push bike and it was very dangerous to drive on the side of the road kind of like highway Mm. and um i was very scared imagine you come imagine you're a little kid you um just learning to walk and you get screamed by your parents that you're an idiot you can't walk that's exactly how I felt. I got to a new country. I had no idea about any kind of rules. What is happening? It's like you're really much learning from zero about everything. Yeah. And you get screamed if you don't pick up everything at the same time. Yeah, yeah. That was very hard. When we had the lessons, in the, he was teaching me how to drive a car. Back home, we never drive faster than 90k an hour and those highways had to go 110 and i never driven the car and he would scream at me like you an idiot you can't even drive a car you're a grandma go faster and there would be I, I would just start crying yeah and had to pull out and say i can't i can't do it can you please drive i i really cannot and he would scream at me. Then we come back home and tell he tell all the friends of his and his parents how 
stupid and useless I am because I cannot drive car fast enough. <laughs> yeah, well. So how, how long were you? So how long were you seeing him for? So how long? About did about three years, almost three years. About together. three years, yeah. yeah. So, um, like as, as horrible as all that is, in my head, I'm thinking, if you can get someone to go from you know happy, you know loving surfing, loving life to being everything was amazing, yeah, to three years to be going to like a mental institute just yeah. from you know, negativity and beating you down and rah, rah, like, yeah. could you imagine how much a person could blossom from doing the exact opposite, right? Or from someone always Absolutely. praising you, you know what I mean? So this, this just shows how powerful it is and not so even, so I don't want to put um, the responsibility into like other people's hands, but, but you can talk to yourself like this, like, you yeah. know what I mean? So you can, you know, do the opposite to what, this guy did to you, to yourself, but in a positive way. So if you can talk to yourself, I'm smart, I'm, you know, good Absolutely. at this, you know what I mean, and do that all day, every day for three years, imagine how... Powerful you will how, be. Exactly. Yeah. So in three years for him to be able to do that to you, like, yeah, it just shows... Um, yes, I think we as humans need to be... And something that I'm really passionate about is that's why I'm so big on gratitude is because gratitude is just such a powerful emotion. Like, it's, it's nothing... Yeah, negative about gratitude you know it's just and you're just constantly reaffirming to yourself like all the amazing things in your life all the amazing things that you're grateful for and you know and then on top of that you can start saying you know um you know using affirmations and incantations that's one of the ways you can rewrite your brain to think the way you want it to think and and you know i mean a brain is kind of like a computer right so it's yeah. input equals output so if your input is this dude, you know, you're useless, you're hopeless, you're nothing, you're, all, you know, all this, and that's what your output thoughts are going to be. Yeah. Um. So yeah, big like for me, uh, obviously, you know, meditation's good, but uh, did you? I I use like books and yeah, uh, you know, what I mean, I listen to podcasts and absolutely a really good yes. podcast called Neuro Nevada Podcast. Guys, you <laughs> check it out. <laughs> <laughs> right. I so yeah. Agree. So what um, did you? Is that you use them? Is there uh, yes, any other techniques or any other things that you use to help? Yeah. So uh, first, I wanted to study where is that thoughts coming from. So why why am I having these thoughts? And I start looking at different doctors and doctors who talk about narcissism and how it affect a human brain and how to get rid of it and also how psychology part of the brain work. Yeah. How it's all. Um, structured and as you said um, if you repeat to yourself uh, enough time that you're great you're amazing you're beautiful you're enough you will believe it and yeah. uh, we have a saying back home in russia if you tell a pig or if you tell a person that he's a pig 10 times uh, on 11th it start making a noise oink oink <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's so true. Like if you have kids and you tell them um, certain words, uh, maybe not intentionally to hurt them, but they might hurt them, and mm. they might act in a way you tell them to act. So yeah, yeah, that's really powerful. I'm glad you brought that up because um, uh, for for people that don't know, so your brain. Bef from when you're born to about six or seven, depends on who you listen to. Um, you don't have a, the conscious brain, so you, you're, you've only got the subconscious. So everything that comes in to uh, a child 
doesn't go through any filters. It goes straight into their subconscious. So it's like, bang, you're programming them without any filter. Yeah. So you got to be really careful. And then I know Dr. Uh, Gabba May reckons from zero to three is even more powerful. So then from six to seven, it's still very powerful. So while you're developing this conscious mind, everything's getting tr- programmed into your unconscious mind. So now that we're adults... Um, so it took three years for him to, for that to happen. Yeah. As a child, that may take th- two weeks. Three, you know what I mean? It's yeah. so much shorter because you're so they're like a sponge that's t- taking everything in and it's getting stored in their subconscious mind. So to program a child is so, so easy as opposed to – and then that's what generally happens is these children get programmed really easy as a kid and then they spend the rest of their life trying to fucking unprogram their mind from yeah. all their stuff from – yeah, you know, I'm not saying their parents were bad, but they just didn't realise what they were saying or what they were doing yeah. and how it affects yeah. uh, their brain. So, I agree. And yeah. those parents are watching TV and watching the programs. Like, I don't know if you have seen this show. Um, I work with a disability, and one of my clients are watching TV every day. And um, the show is on TV is um, Married the First. Married at First Sight. Yeah. First Sight. <laughs> And it's absolutely shocked me at 7 o'clock at night what they show there. And I'm like, are you serious? Mm. Are they kids um, already in bed or is it kind of norm for um, to kind teach our kids how to fight, mm. how to talk badly to each other, how to, like they say about sex openly and kids like, like we say, they like a sponge. They get in mm. whatever information comes. It gets in. Mm, definitely, yeah. Like I, I'm, I, I really don't like the media, TV. I think it's, uh, I think it's used as a tool um, for programming. Program it. What it's, it's why they called programs, yes. right? <laughs> it, yeah, that's what they're doing. They're programming us to, um, to want more, to, to buy, to buy more. Like advertising is it. it Advertising's primary an advertiser's primary role is to make you feel worthless. So then, and then they place their product in a position that this is going to not make you feel worthless anymore. Right. That's their that's their that's their one role is to make you feel like shit. Yeah. Like how was that? How's that, how that fine? <laughs> like you know how was that? Yeah, I mean, and and they know this, and they because they know psychology, and they know how to use it. And negatively towards us, and yeah. uh, and then on top of that, you've got the news portraying out um, whatever. We'll talk about that later. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so I think yeah, definitely. Uh, that was that's another big thing. You know, if you can swap TV with podcasts or reading a book of something positive or whatever, like that input output thing again, you know, is really really powerful at retraining our brains to to think and to think and feel how we want to think and feel. So. Yeah. And, yeah, another tool is you can start studying or you start asking your question, yourself a question or why you, do I think this way? Why is this thought coming to my head? Is it even mine? Mm. Um, I've got a great example by another psychologist and she said she've got the money, like $10 note. She said, do you have a $10 note? I said, yeah. I gave her a $10 note. She said, is it ten dollar note? This is you. What if I scrunch it and put it on the floor? Is it still gonna be you? I'm like, yeah. What if I smash it or 
jump on it and step it or put in the dirt, will it be still $10? I'm like, yeah. And she said, well, this is what people are trying to do with you, but you have to stand for yourself. You steal this money. You steal this gold. Still worth that $10. Still, still worth that $10. It's just, yeah, she's got this outside. Um, yeah, I, I totally get that. I've seen that before. That is yeah. very powerful, yeah. Still that diamond in you, it's there. You just need to, I guess, clean it and bring it up back to life. Yeah, okay. So, so like I said, so it took you three years, right, to get to this low point. And then how many years did you think did it take you to get back to? Uh, probably another two years to get back. And as I said, I've been using many tools. I've been listening podcasts, been reading books. I I started um, meditation. I started surf a lot. And I started studying why is this happened to me, how my brain works. I um, Also, because I said I start seeing the signs of my um, um like um, I get an older, the sign of aging, and I thought I need to find a solution for this as well because this was a biggest impact as well on my self-worth, and I thought I need to find a way to prove him wrong. And all, was, all I was trying to do is to prove him wrong in my own head. Mm. So it was a battle nonstop. What can I do? What else can I do to prove him wrong? And um, I came across at that time in 2000, I think, 18 uh, with a study in Russia and that was a very new techniques of natural rejuvenation and when I saw the results of others I'm like yeah this is what I need right now and it's all healthy is all natural it doesn't damage your skin and um, and once I start doing it I gain so much more than just my beauty I gain um, I've lost weight or I've lost cellulite I uh, start been happy because I could see myself in the mirror and I understand yes I have done this I have done it with my own hands and if I meet this man again if he ever come across me he would look at me and think wow it's not the person I know because I definitely look different yeah yeah Yeah, that's cool that's awesome yeah so that was also my other tool to help me to work through Whatever works for you, just find a way to feel you best of yourself. Mm. Do yeah. anything to make you feel better than you are. Yeah, cool. Um, yeah, so I, this brings me to um, something that I know you was that you had a bad crash out surfing and you cut yes, your eye there. Yes. And Dasha sends me and Dasha we, we <laughs> surf a little bit and. Um, we're accident prone. We're always hurting ourselves. <laughs> I went surfing this morning, by the way, and I got hit. No. Yeah, wow. <laughs> Every time, right? Every time we hurt I, ourselves. I stopped that. <laughs> and then she sends me a message with this cut under her eye, and I was like, oh, and I I made a bit of a joke because I thought it was um, we were joking, but you were not very happy about no. it. And I felt really bad after it, um, so I'm sorry about that. That's okay. Uh, but I didn't realise how much, like, that was that affected you, but... Looking at it now, like, can anyone see? You can't even see. It's gone. Like, you can't even see. So It was a very uh, deep cut. Yeah. So obviously this stuff is working. Uh, yes. Yeah. And I have spent a bit of time on it. I mean, quite some time on it to get rid of the scar, to get rid of the tissues. And there is a ways um, to get rid of anything. If you don't like your 
chubby legs, you can get rid of it if you don't like your. He called me chubby, right? Is, no, that what, is that what you're trying to say here? I don't here? like my chubby. That underneath the table, no one's going to see it. <laughs> and the thing is, you don't need to go to the gym. You can just put some stuff on it, and it's all natural, and then you are. It's called taping. Um, taping. Taping, yeah. Aesthetic taping, kinesio taping. There's uh, uh, tools to use for rejuvenate, and you can, yeah. Get rid of a lot of things. Yeah, cool. Awesome. All right, so um, so it took you two years, right, to get back to a level where, yeah, I mean, you're happy again. Um, Yeah, yeah, two two years to get to the level where I can call myself myself, about two years. Yeah, so how long ago was that now? So um, how long has it been since then? 2008, 2020. So only like two years ago. Yeah. 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 Yeah, well, see, I've only known you for 12 months, and the time I've known you, I, that, I couldn't even imagine you being, like, that type, that depressive, yes. like, not want to do anything type of person. You know? Yeah. So that's really, really cool. Um, so I know we talked about before you do stuff with people with disability. Yes. So did that... T- so when you say dis, is that like physical disability, or do you help with mental, um, um, with mental health as well? Because you've learnt and, and been through stuff yourself, is that what drove you to do that, or how did that all come about? Yes, um, yeah, that is came up because I always wanted to help people, but especially after events like happened to me in two thousand eighteen, I have felt a lot of power to help others because I've been through so much. And, um, yeah, like about a year ago, maybe a bit less, I found uh, people with um, spinal injuries and I helped them to recover. So we work, we do some sort of stretches, which I developed over years of my training, my exercise and uh, dancing and swimming and surfing and natural rejuvenation. So it's kind of like uh, my way or I developed the program for them of um, bringing the spine on the right spot. So we slowly, it's kind of like a physiotherapy, but in a different way. So we're slowly bringing them back to um, healthy lifestyles and um, amazing results already from, uh, like I said, people with um, spinal injuries they quads, they can't move um, their legs from chest down, um, and um, all of them can could not before we start training could not even sit straight without any support. And uh, one of a uh, guy I work with, he could not lay on the floor straight. He could not lay on the bed. His head was above uh, the bed, about twenty centimeters above. He could not fully put his head on on on, yeah, a, right. on on a surface and he said he had massive headaches he could not sleep at night he had to start 90 degrees sitting position and he's lucky enough if he by the end of the night by the end of the sleep he had electric bed if he can put himself 90 or not 90 180 degrees flat and now he's fully sleeping head touching the floor Whenever we do exercise and um, his legs starting to grow the muscles, his um, legs, he had just a piece of skin hanging and no muscles. So we got him to get to gain some muscles on the legs. They're not working yet. They're not responding yet, but 
maybe with time we will see. And also he start feeling his stomach, which is incredible for him never been able to feel the stomach. Now he feels his abs. Yeah, wow. And we start working on this and um yeah, like he had massive uh bruise as well from his knee to his hip because he's getting in and out the car, always smashing the car and um in five days, we got rid of it with taping techniques. So I use everything I can to help them. And it's been great. I use my meditation skill and my shaman skill to help them with the mental state as well. Um, yeah. Kind of put them in a mood where they can fully relax. And Okay, so sh- shaman skill. Explain to me shaman. what this is. <laughs> shaman. I uh, also finish because natural rejuvenation is all through the nature, right? And uh, who is a shaman? Shaman is the doctor, the nature doctor or doctor from the nature. And that's how I see myself. And I have learned the shaman techniques or shaman tools, what they use to heal um, emotional part of um, us. And uh, often emotion um, stuck in our body, in the physical body, uh, often emotions stuck in the hips. Mm. So for me to work with disability, I need to use my shaman tools to relax the hips, to let it go. So what what tool or technique do you use? Um, I use my drum. I use a special uh, prayer for them. And um, I use my rattles and feathers and smudge to put them in a state where they can relax and fully connect to what is going on. Yeah. And um, I, uh, at that time, I can see what's happening on the spiritual realm. I can see the traumas they've been through. And I not only see the experience on my own body when I heal them. And by getting through me into my own pain, what I feel they have, I can release pain from me until I feel they release fully their pain. And then we can move forward with that. Yeah, so is that like a kind of channeling kind of? Yeah, it's kind of like a channeling, um, what else I can say, psychic ability. But um, it's mostly time you have to be prepared for it. You have to be, I guess, get ready for it and Mm. um, know what you're doing because you can enter to a different realms which you're not prepared for. (laughs) Yeah, okay. So when did you first know that you had like an ability to... Um, I say heal people. Yeah, <laughs> I see stuff. Yeah, uh, since a little kid, I um, um, yeah, I used to see stuff. I I am very connected to the death, um, and I used to see whatever gonna happen uh, to someone. Some people I don't even know, and I would predict and say to my parents, so like, oh, this person gonna be killed in in that way, and they thought I'm crazy. And then a few days later, this has happened. And they're like, oh, what's going on? And, um, uh, yeah, some stuff like um, in Bali as well. One of my uh, friends, he's not really a friend, the person I know, we used to work together uh, teaching surf. And um, one night I see, I, I see these things sometimes like a day daylight, like a f- sort of like deja vu, something flashing in my head. Yeah. Or most of the time I see it as a message in a while I sleep, in my dream. 
I fully clearly see faces, see what they say, see what's happening, and then I can tell. And that night uh, with my friend, I saw um, is a, like a dark spirit entering into my room, and they saying they, they come to take my friend. And I said, no, you're not. And they say, yeah, we are taking him. It's time. I said, no, it's not a time. And we start argue with this <laughs> spirit. They say, why do you think it's not time? I said, because he's an old spirit. He's an old soul. He has a lot of things to do on this earth. And um, you can't take him. And they said, we need to take someone then. And I said, well, try to take me. And I start laughing. And I woke up laughing. I'm like, oh, this is, was a very weird dream. Anyways, so... Um, that day I went surfing with friends of mine and it was massive waves, about 10, 11 foot. And um, the waves where we surfed, uh, they're not just massive, they're always fat and they're very deep. They break on the very deep um, waters. And my leg rope snapped and I was under the set and it was the first wave of the set. And um, it's maybe about five or six after and I get dragged under the water. The current goes under the water. I can't touch the bottom. I can't come up. I can't touch the bottom to push myself up. And I remember this dream instantly. And I'm like, okay, you got me. Yeah. <laughs> You're a winner. <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah, like being a professional swimmer, I could not do anything. I just felt hopeless. I tried to come up, like I said, and the massive waves, just giant wave, these tongues of water holding me under. Tried to go down. I, I thought different thoughts. What what else can I do to escape? Mm. I can't even reach the bottom. Yeah. And um, once I popped up from second, I think, or third wave, I was already giving up. I'm like, that's it. And my friend who was in the current in the channel, he was screaming at me, Dash, look at me, breathe, please breathe breathe you got few more you can do it he was screaming and once the three of us in the water another girl i know she was sitting at the beach at that time and uh she saw my board go straight to the beach and she looked at the board she's like i know this board from somewhere she didn't recall straight away it's me took for some time and then she realized she grabbed um she ran to the lifeguards and said there is a girl in the water we need to save her uh, massive waves and da da da. So she ran up the top of the hill, and the lifeguard was looking at her on bodyboard, grabbing my board, and she was showing him with the hand which way he needs to paddle, because I was drifting really fast and very deep. Mm. And um, and other friend of mine picked me up. He somehow broke through the waves and picked me up, dropped me on his board. I was I was almost dead. And this guy, lifeguard, he came by boogie board, <coughs> gave me my board, and they support two of them, tried to rescue me to the beach. Then I got out the water. I was so so tired, and um, maybe I gave that event another week and called that friend who was a dream about, and I said, hey, what's happening this night? Tell me. And he said, how do you know? I said, what do I have to know? And he started laughing. I said, what have you done? And he said, what do you know about it? I said, I know everything. What have you done? He said, um, what do you know? I said, they came to take you, take your life. And he said, I know. Why didn't you let? I said, you're an idiot. 
like seriously, you need it here. And till these days, I don't know what has he's done. He obviously did something. But yeah, it's almost almost caused my life. <laughs> wow, that's that's a crazy story. <laughs> so yeah, and it's so been So what so he knows what say so what would he tell you? What's I what? don't know. I don't know. He probably was depressed and did something to himself and something didn't work, I would say. I have no idea. Another event is um hurricane came and I saved two people. Um I wish I did save more because hundreds and hundreds of people died. But I did prevented it, and at that time I was age of 12, and no one would have listened to me. Um, I just grabbed my two friends and tell them to run, run for their life. And um, yeah, so these abilities were with me since a little kid, and um, I always wanted to know why, what is this? Um, I wanted to get rid of it. <laughs> it was too much. Yeah, yeah, I hear, I hear that from a lot of people. Um, people that have that ability, especially from a young age, they. Yeah. Um, I think medical medium. I don't know if you know who medical medium is. He's, um, yeah, from a young age, he could see people, see exactly what was wrong with them, whether it was cancer, lung cancer, or whatever. Like yeah. he had like a, a spirit or whatever tell him. And um, in his book, if you read it, he's at the table like four years old, sees his grandma and just goes lung cancer, and like the whole family's like, what are you talking about? And said oh lung cancer and then um apparently the grandma like freaked out and was like oh no nah, i can't be right and then played on her mind played on her mind and two weeks later she went to the hospital and said oh can i just get a scan like and yeah sure enough she had lung cancer like yeah wow. just crazy yeah, as a four-year-old yeah but anyway um yeah so that is uh that is yeah it's definitely um an amazing gift but he goes through a point where he was the same like he got to 14 and he was just he wanted to kill himself because like i'm just sick of getting told all these people's problems like oh you're gonna die like you got cancer you're gonna die like you know what i mean like yeah. it, there's too much for him you know and um yeah if anyone read the book is um and not only he talks a lot about health it's really i talks a lot about uh, plant-based and fruits and stuff and yeah really really powerful but his stories um uh, very, very powerful as well. So uh, I won't give too much of the book away if other people can read What's it. What's the name of the book? Oh, so he's, he's called Medical Medium and his books are actually just called Medical Medium. Yeah. And then um, there's different versions of Medical Medium. So, um, yeah, cool. Uh, yeah, so um, there's, a, there's one other subject that I want to talk about, Dasha. Yes. I know you're a little bit apprehensive to talk about <laughs> it, but you are Russian <laughs> at the moment. Russian's all over the news. Yeah. Uh, Russia, Russia is all over the news. Uh, but I find it pretty incredible. Are you actually having you've having people call you? and, and just Yeah, and I have had trouble with people who um, listen to all the media and follow TV um <laughs> yeah media stuff and yeah a lot of people have been bullying me for not a lot but few been bullying me for being russian and um i have some friends who are living in australia and their kids going to kindy or school and their kids getting bullied by australians uh kids saying go burn in hell or go kill yourself and um it's just been incredibly hard for everyone for ukrainian for russian and um 
yeah, it's a lot of things being disorientated. Uh, people, especially English-speaking people, being disorientated a lot by, um, yeah, media. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I just think that's crazy. Like, you know, anyone that knows you, like, you know what I mean? Like, you w- wouldn't be able to hurt a single soul, I don't think, like, even if you tried to. So for someone to, you know, throw hate on you for being Russian when it's you, you know what I mean? Like, that just sounds absolutely crazy. Like, you know, just because you are from Russia doesn't mean you've got anything to do with all the political stuff that's going on. Like, you aren't Putin. And then, but then like you said, like... Um, I know we talked about this earlier, but I think the media just portrays whatever they want to portray. So yeah. can you explain, like, what you've got family that are living there? Like, you know, what are they seeing and what, and what is actually going on as opposed to what we're seeing in the news? So, yeah, I've got a lot of um, relatives who live in Ukraine and friends who live in Ukraine. And I also live, uh, know some people, my family knows some people from Donbass and Lugansk. And... um. All this story takes a time back before the World War Two, when um, the Nazism was created, and um, the uh, the idea was is to destroy all the Russian nation and Israel nation as well. Um, the Hitler, what he was trying to do is to get rid of um, all Israelis as well. Yeah, and um, that idea is still ruling a lot of parts of Ukraine. And a um, few years ago, when the government got taken over by these Nazists, they openly were talking about destroying all the Russian nation in Ukraine. They were telling this in the news, public, and world summits, and things like that. And it's all documented. If you want to read, you can have a look around. Yeah. I'm sure you can find. Um, and um, so they've been threatening Russian people to um, get rid of them. But Ukraine has about probably 75% or 70% of Russian living there or people who speak Russian. And in 2014, so it's already um, eight years, when um, Russia took over the Crimea, um, the part of Ukraine, which is Donbass and Lugansk Republic, they wanted to be separated from Ukraine. And uh, Russia never wanted to take them as a part of Russia. They accepted their desire to be a separate country. Mm. And at that time, eight years ago, was a Minsk agreement and where it says that those people will be left alone and they have to, have to be left alone. And those people is 80% Russian. So the whole place is speak Russian, mostly all of them speak Russian. But, yeah, um, so you got Ukraine, you got um, what's it called? Uh, Donbass and Dumb- Lugansk. Donbass, and then you got Russia. And you so got these people here are basically mainly on the Rus- border on with the, Russia. On, on the Rush, they're mainly Russian. It's east of Ukraine. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, so and then they are their own country, and they've been told there was an agreement. They part that of both Ukraine. Both of them could yep. not interfere, or in yeah. could not. Yeah. Okay. So what Ukrainian people were doing? There were eight years of war on on these parts, Donetsk and Lugansk republics, eight years, Russian people were killed. Day by day, um, there is kids who grew up in that regions, and um, kids' first word, what they say is boom. So they've been bombed, and um, if you look good enough, you will find a lot of evidence. And nowadays, people 
put in media um, that uh, Ukrainian this and Ukrainian that, and this is Russian did. And actually today came across with a video coming from a little city of Daniel, oh, Donbass, which is part of the whole thing. And they were trying to pretend this is coming from Ukraine and poor dad have to go to war. But actually they speak Russian. Yeah. And these people are having the war and Ukrainian are killing those. Um, and there's been about 3 million people um, run away from that regions. And friends of my parents, they, they are example of it. And they say for eight years they were bombarding and a lot of people... Uh, got killed and they have to live in the underground. And so for eight years, Ukrainians are bombing the Russians. Uh, or the they bombing part of Ukraine, but that part of Ukraine are full, of, are full of full of Russians. Ru- ru- full of Russians. Yes. Yeah. So for eight years, I haven't seen one single thing in the news about that. Yes. And Correct. I just looked at a thing the other um, yesterday as well. So the amount of bombings that's happened in the last forty-eight hours. There's a heap of bombings in Syria. There's a heap of bombings in like four places around the world. Yeah. Yeah. The only place Ed, that's getting documented, and the other three are from America. Yeah. And so the only place that's getting documented is this one Ukraine. place is Ukraine. Yeah. So the media doesn't care about the rest of the bombings that are happening that America are doing. I just think this is what I really don't like, and I really this is what we talked about before. Like, don't watch TV because. It's a program, right? They're trying to program you. They're trying to get you to think wherever they want you to think to suit their narrative. And, like, as soon as I heard this, like, you know, I mean, the first thing I did was I rang you and I asked you. I said, what do you know? Like, I I don't trust the media. I was like, you know what I mean? Whereas so many people do. And I was just like, I wanted to hear firsthand, like, what was actually going on. And, you know, I mean, like, with the... With America and all that, like, I, I know there's a lot of ties with the NATO as well. And they're trying to, like, take over... So just yeah, you know, don't believe everything you hear or you see, and I think it's really appalling that someone could you know could um, just be hating on you just because you're born in Russia. Like yeah, you know, that just sounds absolutely yeah. crazy. Well, a lot of Russian they, I mean, I'm not supporting the war. I don't want people, civil people, to be dying. But what was happening for eight years in Donetsk and Lugansk, people were killed, and then before this war started. Ukrainian people, um, uh, I mean, a while ago they joined NATO and they start saying that they're going to use a nuclear bomb and they start getting war into position, they start getting attacked, Donetsk and Lugansk even more. That Russia had, because Donetsk and Lugansk is on the border with Russia, so Russia had to put the army force on the border to protect us from being attacked. And it's been going worse, so whenever... When uh, Zelensky mentioned um, nuclear bomb, what ca- what else can we do to stop it? So um, I guess it was only option to stop them is to get at the um, army forces and destroy army of Ukraine because they have six places where they can start the nuclear war. And if they shoot one, the whole world will be destroyed. Mm, definitely. Yeah, that's um, it's quite scary, isn't it? And yeah, unfortunately, a lot of people I I cannot even imagine what they're going through. Ukrainian people, there is a lot of Russian people in there as well, but they all um, get told that everything happened because of Russians. They all have been told 
by the government. Of course, they won't tell the truth, right? Mm. Of course, they tell and then blaming. Uh, same with Russia. Probably they won't tell the truth, but everything proved in the paper. They keep on saying for eight years, leave Donetsk and Lugansk alone. Please stop the war. Please stop the war. For Follow the Minsk agreement. And no one did. They went to the Europe Soviet and said, please stop the war. No one said anything. No one helped. They were saying, yeah, yeah, we'll do that with support. And no one did anything for mm. eight years. And no one hears about that in the media either. No one. No one no. even knew that something is going on in there. And one month before, because my parents live close to Kazakhstan border, one month before Kazakhstan was attacked as well. And what do you think? Who is in there? <laughs> Why? Yeah. So it's all also Nazis which were formed to destroy the nation of Russia. And NATO is not wanted Russia to be a part of it because all the politics is against Russia. Mm. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a little bit scary. Um, yeah, well, thank you for um, speaking about that. I know that's uh, a little bit difficult um, to speak about and a little bit hard. But, uh, yeah, look, uh, I really appreciate you coming on today. So if there's one piece of advice that you could give someone that was that it is in a, a toxic, narcissistic relationship like you, is there any, like what's a couple of tools, what's a little something, a bit of advice that you'd give someone that might be in that same position right now? Yeah, the first advice is start breathing. Mm-hmm. Make sure you count every breath, exhale and ex- inhale. Mm-hmm. Concentrate on that. That's probably the first step. It's kind of like meditation, but you can just focus on your breathing. Try to start meditating like the technique we were just talking about. Yep. And sport. Not even, you don't have to go hardcore. You can just go for a walk. And another thing I've been teaching uh, people is to walk with intention. Mm. You can walk and look at the beauty. Try to see a beauty in I don't know, dirt. Everything. In the grass, anything. Mm. Anything what is around you. And try to breathe it in, in you. And also talk to yourself. Say to yourself that you enough, you're worth. You can actually write down a little notes and I have them still. I am enough. And put it everywhere. Put it on your phone. Put it on your computer. I'm good enough. I'm enough. Mm. And every time you see it, you will be training your mind to say, I'm enough, I'm good, I'm loved. Uh, that's awesome. Uh, Louise Hayes, uh, very, very um, popular book called You Can Heal Your Life. And hers is, uh, I love and approve of myself. I love and approve. She said, say that a thousand times a day, every single day. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, when you say, like, look at everything, and uh, I th- that made me think of a really cool, I think it was Einstein, I can't remember who it was. Probably wasn't on side actually, but he said you could actually think of everything as being um, meaningless or everything as being a miracle. You know what I mean? So yeah, why absolutely. not just take everything yeah. as being a miracle because it is like you know yeah. what I mean? So uh, another actually tool I forgot. Friend of mine mentioned and it's amazing. We don't think about it. She said, get the journaling, get a note, yep. and every day write five or even you have one good thing about your day. Write down, Grat- I'm happy because. Gratitude journaling, <laughs> yeah, 100%. I'm big on gratitude and gratitude journaling. 
So, yeah, awesome. Look, thank you so much, Dasha, <laughs> for coming on uh, today. I really appreciate you coming on and uh, sharing your story, being very open about it. That was awesome. Uh, sharing your thoughts on the um, on what's going on today with Russia. Uh, yeah, I think you're an amazing human and I really appreciate you coming on. Thank you. Thanks for having me and I hope my story will give you a lot of courage and a lot of uh, happiness and light. And if you are in a hard situation right now, uh, just know that it's not the end. If you're in a hard situation, it will all pass. Awesome. All right. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Neuronavada podcast. If you like what you heard, please like and subscribe. Also, if you'd like to know a bit more about us, uh, jump on Instagram, Neuronavana underscore, and Neuronavana on Facebook. Also, if you'd like to check out our services and if we can help you in any way, jump on our website, neuronavana.com.au.